teaches us all things. And you need not that any man teach you. So that anointing is called the believer's anointing. It's received at salvation and it helps you discern right from wrong. It is that anointing that even when someone comes to you and tells you that you are not, let's drink beer because it's, I've not, even if you've never read that portion of scripture where it says do not drink, but by virtue of the believer's anointing, if someone tells you let's do this thing, that anointing within you will witness and say this is wrong. There are many times certain people who try and bring certain things to you. Sometimes they say, no, there's nothing wrong. This is just a deal we are making. By the believer's anointing, you may not necessarily understand the premises of that deal, but you will feel it on the inside that this place is not the right place. This deal is not the right deal. It's the believer's anointing. And that anointing is natured by the word of God. Job, is it Job 29 verses 6 tells us that when I washed my steps with butter, the flinty rocks poured me out rivers of oil. So when you're constantly saturated within the word of God, even your levels of discernment goes up. So the believer's anointing is for the believer. And it's received at salvation. So if you are saved, you have received the believer's anointing. Then there's a second measure of the anointing that you then receive, which we refer to as the ministerial anointing. It is the anointing that, of course, what many of you want when you're asking for it is to, so that you can you know, throw people off, get people under the power. That's what we call the ministerial anointing. It is the anointing that the believer receives for empowerment. Extraordinary work of the kingdom. When you have received the believer's anointing, it is for you as the believer. When you have received the ministerial anointing, it is to go out and do impact. So the believer's anointing abides within the believer for the believer. The ministerial anointing comes upon the believer to minister to the people. So, you have the believer's anointing for you. You have the ministerial anointing for the people. So, that is why when the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment, the anointing flowed. Even without Jesus' permission. Even without Jesus saying, receive. That is why you don't need me to come to you and lay my hand on you. We could be in this meeting and you place a demand on that ministerial anointing. And that issue that you, are, you want to be settled is settled. Amen. So, many people, you will find that they will grow in the ministerial anointing, but not grow, nature rather, the believer's anointing. Because you can't grow it, you nature it. Amen. Amen. So when the believer's anointing has been nurtured in your personal time, in your personal faith, you see, the way the ministerial anointing works is this. You may not necessarily have a good, you know, time with the Lord, you know, in terms of consistency. You may not have proper fellowship with the Lord. But when you want to prepare for a meeting for the ministerial anointing, you can say, I'll go on a four-day fast. And you come and the power of God is on you. 
Because that's a different dimension of the anointing, which is the ministerial anointing that you are releasing. But now, when you are done ministering, you are left with the believer's anointing. And you have to sustain your life by that anointing. Under the ministerial anointing, nothing will come to you. you can, that's why when you, under the ministerial anointing, you can be in a place when you are ministering and teaching the word of God, prophesying, saying things, temptations will come at you. Nothing will happen under that anointing. But when it has left you, when ministry is done, you are left with the believer's anointing. And depending on how you have been nurturing that anointing will determine what will happen when temptation comes. That is why we have a situation where people or believers are in a place or in a state where they have learned how to nature or how to grow the ministerial anointing but have not learned how to nature the believer's anointing by constant communion and fellowship with God. So you have people who that when the meeting has been announced they prepare for it and they come and they explode but in their personal lives are living terribly. That is why you ask how is it that the man of God can prophesy can say this, can say this but his life is terrible. Yet he's an international evangelist giving hope to all the nations, every girl that comes in contact with him, I'll make you the mother of the house. Why? Because he has learned how to move in the ministerial anointing, but he's not learned how to nature the believer's anointing. Then there's the third one which we talked about, which was the corporate anointing, which is an anointing that God pours out on a congregation. Psalms 133, it says, Behold how good it is for brethren to gather together in unity. It is like oil. So, when brethren gather together in unity and agree on one thing, it releases a corporate anointing. That is why if you want to move into something of the spirit, you have to corporately agree. If I say we need to start seeing miracles, all of us have to agree. Of course, it may not be all of us, but the cardinal people, have to agree within the they say we want to see the move of God in church and by that agreement we move into a corporate anointing if we constantly press into it this is where now you come under such an anointing you find there are ministries you go to they've got a corporate teaching anointing it almost feels the moment you join that ministry you feel like teaching teaching <laughs> you go to Christ embassy you feel like a teacher you wear a white suit very nice tie very polished. You look very smart and neat. Those guys are very smart and neat. I love how they look. And you teach softly. So it's the knowing of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Talk like Pastor Chris. <laughs> Why? They've moved into such a corporate anointing that even teaching is easy. You go to prayer ministries. There are ministries that carry prayer. You go to what, what prayer? Maybe Omega Fire Ministries, an amazing ministry. You will be shocked at how your head will start to you never thought you would do that. But you'd be shocked at how you'd be praying. Why? You have come under a corporate anointing. And many people who don't understand the corporate anointing will come under that corporate anointing and feel as though, now, I have exp my ministry has grown. But you are not knowing that the anointing you are flowing under is as a result of the corporate anointing you've come under. Because when you come under a corporate anointing, things become easy. The things that have been pressed into. 
So if it is a corporate anointing, let's say you come into a church that has got you know a corporate anointing for prayer, you will feel like you have become a prayer warrior until you go home. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Only the living said the Lord. I will not kill myself. <laughs> Why? Because, have you ever been to an overnight where you are shocked you prayed from 21 up to 05? You went home and you tried it and you failed. There are certain worship leaders who have come under such a corporate anointing of a ministry and they were leading ministry. I'm the one that makes up. Then you branch out and you discover how dry you are. <laughs> what? You were under a corporate anointing. There are certain times, certain people will be put in an evangelism department and their souls are being worn. Not knowing it's a corporate grace that you've moved into. Souls are being, you say, me in this church, even the members that came, half I'm the one that brought them. Say, half, I'm the one that brought them. So, because you think it's about you, you say, you know, why should I be bringing members to the church for the pastor? Let me be bringing members. Let me start my own thing and bring members to myself. Then you struggle to even have one committed member. <laughs> you were under a corporate anointing. When, you see, when the church started, and, you know, I've been ministering powerfully through CG and the like, I thought it would just flow like that. It would be easy to flow the way I flow. Then I discovered it was difficult. Then I said, Holy Spirit, where, did I make the mistake to start? What's, what's wrong? Then he told me, no. There's a corporate anointing that chosen generation has pushed into. You may be the leader, but in the spirit we recognize it as chosen generation. And if you need to move into another corporate anointing for the church, you need to press into it. Because chosen generation has got its own altar and its own consecrations. So, kingdom come needs to have its own altar and its own consecrations. And a corporate anointing is good because it makes life easy. Praise the name of the Lord. So that's for the recap. Now, let us go into the message for the day and I'll be very brief. As I am still digesting that fish. <laughs> Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, so many believers still don't know what it means to be anointed. When you ask the question, why do you say that man is anointed? You will hear all sorts of answers. When you ask a believer, you, 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 because you see, many, I, I never, many people who've come from traditional churches don't really hear the term anointing so much, but you hear it more in Pentecostal circles. Now, when you come under a Pentecostal group of people and you ask someone, why do you say that guy is anointed? What do you mean? They will say, <laughs> they will The anointing isn't making people fall. No, that is a manifestation of the anointing. The anointing isn't making people laugh under the power. The anointing isn't when people are flying over. No, those are manifestations of the anointing. Some of the greatest miracles in church history, the people were standing like this, be healed, healed, and they walk back. No one falling. So, because people aren't falling under the power, don't think you are not anointed. 
That is why many people have gone into pushing people. <laughs> yeah. That's why a certain guy was telling me, I know I'm pushing a maningi. That's why these days I avoid, I say, Holy Spirit, if, if, if you, you will not do it, I will not push anyone. Why? Because people who go back and believe these things are fake. Bruce always shares the story of how he didn't believe that people could actually fall under the power of God. That's how me and Bruce met, our evangelism coordinator. So he said, I'm coming for the meeting with me. I didn't touch him. I was just in front. I started to sing in dance. He was the first one in that meeting. <laughs> he was all over. From one side to this side. Said, hey. <laughs> so there's a guy who told me, he said, Ah, in it. In a moment, in Ah, Because So he spring and spring And there are some people who are like that. You're praying for them and they just look at you. So you hear all sorts of answers because people don't know what the anointing is. Okay, so what then is the anointing? The anointing of the spirit is divine empowerment or enablement to do work. The anointing of the spirit is divine empowerment or enablement to do work. The anointing is the enabling power placed on a man to manifest what is outside the natural. Okay, so the anointing is placed on the believer to manifest that which cannot be done in the natural. Anything you can do in the natural, you may not necessarily need anointing for. Do you need anointing to walk from here up to there? So even for your business, yes, you can be doing your business in Bulatunga, Uletunga, Uletunga, but there's a certain place you can't rise above with your qualifications with your business connections. So then the anointing comes in to supersede the natural. The anointing is divine substance from heaven that starts where our ability stops. So where your ability stops, that's where the anointing starts from. Say, no, but I'm a stammerer. Yes, we know. That's where we'll start from. No, me, I can't talk properly. Yes, that is where I will start from. Praise the name of the Lord. The anointing is a manifestation of God's power. The anointing is a manifestation of God's power. Every person that God uses, he anoints. Whenever God gives a divine assignment, he has to release divine empowerment. So you may have the, that's why you see many people have got prophetic words over their lives, but are not walking in the reality of those prophetic words because they have the divine assignment, but the divine empowerment needs to follow to have that prophetic word to come to life. The disciples received the divine assignment. They knew what they were going to do. How they were going to preach the gospel and turn the world upside down. But yet he told them, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. 
So any man God wants to use, he anoints. Praise the name of the Lord. Aaron and his sons were anointed to manifest priesthood. Exodus 30.30. And I can be reading these scriptures for you. Exodus chapter number 30 and verses number 30. Okay? Aaron and his sons were anointed to manifest priesthood. Okay, it says, Anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so that they may serve as priests. For them to serve as priests, they had to be anointed. Praise the name of the Lord. Moses had an anointing of God's spirit upon him. Numbers 11 and verses number 17. (coughs) Numbers 11 and 17. Joshua had an anointing imparted on him through the laying on of hands. Deuteronomy chapter number 34 and verses number 9. Joshua had the anointing imparted on him through the laying on of hands. Deuteronomy 34 and verses number 9. Saul was anointed to be king. 1 Samuel chapter number 10 and verses number 1. All these are people, you constantly read within the scriptures that God, if God wants to use a man, he anoints the man. If God wants to use a woman, he anoints the woman. Of course, I was using man in a generic sense to refer to everyone. Jesus was also anointed to manifest his messiahship. Acts chapter number 10 and verses number 38. And let's read that one. Acts chapter number 10 and verses number 38. 10 and 38. Okay. Okay, it reads, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So even for Jesus to manifest his messiahship, he needed to be anointed. (laughs) If Jesus needed the anointing, we need it. So every man that God will use, he has to anoint. He has to release the divine empowerment to do the work. If God has told you you want to be you are going to be a business person, you need that anointing. No, I will start doing it. You need the anointing. It will differentiate you from everyone else. The problem is that every time when the anointing is talked about, we are thinking of it more in the lines of just praying for the sick. That's a way in which the anointing manifests. But when you read in the Old Testament, you will find that God would anoint people to do metal work, to make jewelry, to make the outfits that the priests would be wearing. You had to be anointed. Even to serve tables, we read that they were saying, Find us seven men who are full of the spirit. In that time, the qualification and the credential to serve tables required that you were a person who was full of the spirit. And one of the people who was part of that group, Philip, went to a different city and he turned it upside down and brought a citywide revival. And Asher whose job was to save tables. 
Amen. It is not the title, it is the anointing. You may give yourself the title, senior major prophet, junior sometimes, but above all, an assistant to the spirit of God. If the anointing is not there, you will not flow. <laughs> yeah, you will not flow. And you see, I only discovered this when I was in Bible school, and then I discovered that Africa has got such a huge inclination to titles. Because everyone keeps calling themselves major, major prophet. I'm a major prophet. And in my head, when I, I thought, well, for someone, because when you ask people, why do you call yourself, they are trying to tell you that they prophesy at a higher dimension. But when I went to Bible school, I discovered that major and minor prophet had nothing to do with the dimension of prophecy. Major prophet just talks about the volume. How many books, I mean the books you wrote or the volume of the book you wrote. A minor prophet. That's why when you go to the Bible and when you study all the major prophets, the Jeremiah's, and when you study all the minor prophets, you will find that it's either just three chapters and they're done. Then you find the major prophets, you know, they have 20, 30 chapters. Then they were said, you are a major prophet because of the volumes you wrote. Not because of the dimension of prophets you moved in. By those credentials, if we look at the volumes of some of the things people have put out, very few would qualify as major prophets. Maybe not even minor. <laughs> so that's what I discovered because if people understand this but they keep on putting that emphasis I mean, me, I'm a, no one has, have you ever heard anyone say I'm a minor prophet no they always say I'm a major <laughs> they always say I'm a major and that is to attest that there's no problem with that if someone calls and I don't, I don't want to be rude anyway there's no problem with that but you see I'm just trying to bring you to the idea that people are so title oriented that they major on the minors and minor on the majors. You are better off being called Brother Johan, but when you are sent to Kawe, you turn Kawe upside down. You are better off being called Sister Louise, but when you are sent to Limala South, you turn Limala South upside down. That being called Senior Shani Shani and you fail to bring impact. What would you rather choose? To be called, you know, you know, these days people even give themselves PhD. <laughs> Not the one for you get at school, no, PhD, you know. Shashan PhD, prophetic healing and deliverance. <laughs> if you're going to call yourself that, make sure the divine enablement to manifest that is there. Whatever you call yourself, me, I don't have a problem. If you call yourself, you know, demon terminator, you know, <laughs> it's okay. As long as you are doing what you have been called to do and the anointing is there. Amen. Amen. And you know, I remember there was a time in which people became so big on titles. So, so big, literally, you would meet someone and the first thing they want to ask you, you know, what, 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 what five-fold office are you in? I'm going to post all your shit. <laughs> and it seemed as though when I was in school, people were so big on titles. 
if you add apostle or prophet to your poster and you put it on the notice board, I can rest assure you the meeting will be packed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you say Chap Chilombo or Mr. Chilombo. Uh, <laughs> even your roommate won't show up. <laughs> to come and listen to me, Mr. Chilombo. Amen. So you need the anointing. Okay? Now, why do we need the anointing? And this is where the main message is, and I'll share on this and just uh, close for the day as I am still digesting that fish. It was a fish, I'm telling you. Ah, that fish. (laughs) Okay, why do we need the anointing? Number one, the anointing enables the New Testament believer to witness Christ to a generation. The anointing enables the New Testament believer to witness Christ to a generation. We see that anointing being poured out in Acts chapter number 1 verses number 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive the anointing when the person of the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Which is to show you one thing firstly before we move on. That the anointing of the Holy Spirit moves hand in hand with the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can't manifest the power if you've not learned to fellowship with the person who releases the power. You shall receive power when who comes? The Holy Spirit. So, the anointing enables the New Testament believer to witness Christ to a generation. One of the signs of a person who is genuinely anointed is their agency to testify Christ. One of the ways you know someone is genuinely anointed is their agency to testify Christ. You can't say you are anointed, but yet you have no business whatsoever in testifying Jesus. You say you are anointed, but every time you are presented with an opportunity to evangelize, to reach out, you don't reach out. You can't say you are anointed. No. Because the anointing in the first place is released upon the believer to witness Christ. But in a, in a, an anointing younger, see my friend so in, so in. Yeah, I'm telling you, people have even said classifying anointings. They, you know, no, me, me, my anointing, it chooses where to work. Our evangelism is at Nando's, Hungry Lion. When we say, let us go deep down, doing the makumba, masha. For us, you know, I, I, I work effectively when I'm at the mall. <laughs> yes, I've met believers like that. I've met youth ministries like that. They can never go where the gospel is needed. They want to just go at the mall. Like a coffee, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Your agency, do you have a burden to witness Christ? That for you it doesn't matter whether you are taken to Shangombo or you are taken to the mall. Whether you are taken to China or you are taken to Zimbabwe or you are taken to Malawi. Many people think they will become international evangelists when they go for missions. 
You have failed to reach out to the people in your neighborhood. But you think that when you go for missions, that's when you do evangelism. No. So now we're planning a mission trip so that we can go you know, to South Africa. So in South Africa, that's why you feel you will reach out. One Nigerian man says, a cockroach in Nigeria is still a cockroach in America. <laughs> I wish I could emulate the accent. So the anointing is to witness. So when God gives you an anointing, know that you will do so many things. You will see people will fall. People, there will be a lot of things that will happen. You will expand. Your business will grow by that anointing. But you should know that that anointing has been released on you to witness. And people are playing with the anointing. And I read a book by Peter Tan and he talks about how that he had this vision. And in the vision, when he was sleeping, he, he, I mean, in the, when in, the, in the vision, I think it was a dream or a vision. It must have been a dream. In the dream, he saw this huge cloud. And in that huge cloud, he saw people picking from the cloud. They'll pick from the cloud and make a ball out of the cloud and begin to play with it. So they'll pick from the cloud, make a ball out of it, and play. And when he got out of that dream, he asked the Holy Spirit, what does this mean? And the Holy Spirit told him, son, my children are playing with my anointing. They use it to get people to fall, but not to win souls. Is there a problem with people falling under the power of God? No, we see a lot of that happening here. But to limit that, to limit it to only that is a problem. And that is why the body of Christ in itself is not advancing because we keep changing blocks instead of actually building this structure. Very few people you hear, no, me, I, I, never, I never had any church. So I was part of this church, now I'm part of this church. I was part of this church, now I'm part of this church. You had the SME, I never, they found me in the street and they reached out to me. So we feel we are growing, but we are not necessarily growing. We are just shuffling members. When in actual sense, we are supposed to be advancing the kingdom. And how do we do that? When we plunder the kingdom of darkness. Amen. So when the anointing is released, it is to enable you to testify Jesus. Imagine that the anointing has been given on you to testify him, and then you use it to get girls. <laughs> Can you imagine that nonsense? And it's happening. It's happening out there. I know people, when they are done ministering, they should knock off with someone at a hotel. Because God showed them in the vision. <laughs> because that's how you tap the anointing. Should I hear such nonsense from here? Say, no, there's this man, he told me, no, for you to tap the anointing, if you need close contact, hey, think that's how the anointing is tapped. Okay, number two. The anointing produces power and conviction. The anointing produces power and conviction. Okay, Acts chapter number 2 and verses number 37 reads, Now when they heard this, this is speaking of Peter's sermon and I'll backtrack. When, now when they heard this, 
This is Acts 2.37. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? When they heard Peter's words, remember, before Peter had received the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Peter was scared of a little girl. Said, you, you were with Jesus. Said, no, I was not with him. You, you, ah, no, me, I was You, no, I was not with him. But later on, we see that Peter is ready to even die for the cause of Christ. And when the Acts 2 experience happens, you know, they start behaving as though they were drunk and people speaking different languages. And as they are doing that, you see the people start to say that, you know, these men are behaving as though they are drunk. And Peter stands up and says, no, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but this is a fulfillment of that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he starts to explain and he explains all these things. And in verse 37, it says, when he was done preaching, it says they were cut to the heart. That is a function of the anointing when your words begin to cut to the heart. It's at that point that you tell someone Jesus loves you and they begin to cry. Why? Your words have started to cut to the heart. In those olden days, you know, when we were still young and immature in ministry, we thought what would get people convicted is the, 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 the way in which the message has been structured. How scary it is. So when I come here, I preach fire and brimstone. Hell will rain down. If you don't change the air that you are breathing will start fighting you. Change! And you are preaching that message and you discover as people are, are listening, they are making plans of how they are going to fornicate. Why? Because your words are not cutting to the heart. Words cut to the heart when they come from a deep of prayer and the anointing has been released on an individual you will preach the simplest message yet people are coming to the Lord you will preach the simplest message and people are asking you what shall we do to get saved that is why you have been like uh, Pastor E.A. Abdelboy he will be talking to somebody shout hallelujah hallelujah this morning I am going to share on a Topic that I've entitled, and he's seated, and you see the results, the testimonies after that. No, when he was done preaching, this happened, my womb opened, this happened, this happened, this condition turned to this condition, this condition. Why? Because his words are cutting to the heart. He's preaching, and people are asking, What shall we do to get saved? <coughs> you will download all sermons, Jonathan Edwards, you get all those sermons. You know, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Then you come and preach it verbatim. You see, when he preached that message, literally bishops would give their lives to the Lord. <laughs> yeah, he was praying, says, Lord, I am tired of the state of Christianity. And God gave him a message called sinners in the hands of an angry God. And he wrote it word for word. And when he preached it, he preached it word for word. And when he was preaching that, people were literally feeling like fire. You, 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 you taste a bit of air and say, I wouldn't want to be here. <laughs> Preachers gave their lives to the Lord when you would preach that sermon. So you say, ah, the secret is the sermon title first. You even amplify it a bit. Sinners in the hands of an extremely 
Of course, I mean, the revelation of grace was not as strong then, so it may be flawed a bit here and there, but um, not necessarily that that's what they wanted to do, that was, that, that was their intention in those days. So, sit as in the hands of an extremely angry God, you will preach, and no one will be cut to the heart. Why? Because that comes as a result of the anointing. You can come here and say, God loves us all. And if we can all return to the Lord, the Lord is gracious enough to accept us. So those that want to come to the Lord, step to the front. And you get shocked. Thousands come in your auditorium, in your school. Why? Because your words are cutting to the heart. Sometimes you just be giving advice and people ask you, so what, what am I going to do to change? Why? Because those words are cutting to the heart. Have you ever asked yourself, you've been preaching to your roommates time and again. Nothing seems to be happening. You've been preaching to your relatives. Nothing seems to be happening. What do you need? The anointing. It will bring the conviction power of the Holy Spirit in view. You will preach to them. They'll, they, may, they may behave as though they are resisting it. They will text you and say, that message you preach, I touched my heart. So the conviction power of the Holy Spirit is released then. Praise the name of the Lord. Acts chapter number, I'm mean, sorry, uh, number three rather. Why we need the anointing. So number one, we need the anointing to witness Christ. Number two, the anointing produces the conviction power of the Holy Spirit. So we need that. Number three, the anointing enables us to do the work of Jesus. John chapter number 14 and verses number 12. John chapter number 14 and verses number 12. John 14 and verses number 12. It says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Okay? So, whoever believes in me shall do greater things than those that I have done. Now, these greater works that we are talking about, Jesus did them by the function of the anointing. So if Jesus needed the anointing to do these things, we need the anointing. Because we even want to do greater. So we need this anointing. If Jesus needed it, we need it. I've heard a lot of people, you know, uh, and you see, in an, in, in, in an attempt to emphasize good character, don't shun the anointing. In an attempt to emphasize the anointing, don't shun character. Amen. In an attempt to emphasize skill, don't shun away from the anointing. In an attempt to emphasize the anointing, don't shun away from skill. But if you are, to pick one thing, let's say you're a music artist, if you are to pick one thing, of course I pray you never get to be in that place where you're supposed to pick. Okay? Both are important. But if you were ever asked to pick between the anointing and skill, pick the anointing. Because demons don't respond to skill. I can have good oratory skills. I will give you information. But when the anointing is in view, it will bring transformation. Praise the name of the Lord. So we need the anointing to do the work which he did. If Jesus needed the anointing to manifest his messiahship, we need the anointing to represent him here on earth. 
to manifest the work of Christ, you need more than just good character. You need the anointing. Jesus was a good man before the Spirit of God descended upon him when he attended John's service. He was a good man. He was compassionate. Yet not one miracle was recorded of Jesus until when the anointing came. Even it says his name went about, his fame went all around by the reason of the anointing. Good character, he had good character. No miracle was worked. Because, you see, you may have good character, but there are certain things that don't just respond to character alone. You need divine empowerment. Amen. Number four, and then we'll pray and close after, after the fifth one. The anointing destroys the power of the enemy. Isaiah chapter number 10 and verses number 27, which is a common, talks about how the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. Amen. The anointing destroys the power of the enemy. Number five, we need the anointing to influence every sphere of society. Acts chapter number 17 and verses number 6, it talks about how, you know, when the believers, when, when the apostles had gotten to a certain place, they said, those that have turned the world upside down are here also. So we need the anointing to influence every sphere of society. Children of God, I want you to listen, and I want you to listen carefully. The anointing is not poured or given to a believer just to do the thing I'm doing right now. Because many times we assume the anointing is only for people who are pastoral. So we avoid the anointing altogether. But we need the anointing in every area of our lives. You need the anointing in your education. You need the anointing. The spirit of understanding that Daniel had was not just natural. If you read. The wisdom that Solomon moved in was not just wisdom that comes from having to read a lot of books. No. You need that anointing. The reason I use the anointing the way I'm using it right now is because this is the thing I do. I am a pastor. So I'll use it in a pastoral way to teach, to preach, to cast out devils, to do all these things. But it doesn't mean the anointing is limited to that. That's just how I've decided to channel it. And if you are to channel the anointing in a certain way with regards to your business, you can channel it like that. You will start your business, people will be passing other people's shops to come to yours. Yet the other shops have got the same product, maybe even cheaper. Yet people come to your shop. It's the anointing. So you can't influence every sphere of society without the anointing. You can't. You need that anointing. Amen. And today is my introduction. Next week, I will take you very high in experience also. But today, I am digesting. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Have you learned something? <laughs>